Hi everyone, this week on the show, or I guess I guess we're releasing lots of episodes every week, so I guess it's just today on the show, um, I talked with Dr. Taylor Marshall, who came by my house, came by the studio, the fancy studio here, and talked to me. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a large man. And I sat him in a chair in my, in my office here that might've been too small for him, but I think he was gracious. He was a gracious guest and a super smart guy and a fiction writer. I don't know if you know that about him. He's a fiction writer. So we talk about, uh, his, his journey from the Methodist church to becoming an Anglican priest. And then, um, his journey back to the Catholic church, um, Great, great story of of his journey there, and then talk a little bit about his institute, his online institute, and why he never wants to be accredited. So it's an interesting, fascinating article. Taylor is a, a brilliant guy, really smart, and putting out putting out tons of stuff. Um, uh, cla- you know, training, online training, online education, putting out fiction books, nonfiction books. He's just a powerhouse and all of that stuff. So really fascinating guy. It's great to have him here in my office. But hey, I don't want to have ads on this podcast, but the podcast costs money. So if you want to support the show and help uh, help this continue, help these types of long-form conversations with interesting people continue, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash the show, support the show, and also get access um, to the guests. You'll see the the list of guests that are coming up, or some of the some of the guests that are coming up, and be able to submit questions. You'll get um, yeah a bunch of other exclusive content, because that's what you want, exclusive content. That's what it's all about, I guess, um, is exclusive content, maybe, or access. You want some access. So you can visit patreon.com slash the show to support the show and see all those things. So without further awkward intros, uh, here's our conversation, me and Dr. Taylor Marshall. You staying home tonight? I hadn't planned on it, no. Plan on it. Hello? Yeah, maybe check one. Yeah, that's good right there. I know. I like to hear my voice. I do too. I feel so much better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have po- that same stand there too. That so road. you podcast a lot though, right? Because you do. I used to. I mean, I have, I don't know, 100 something episodes, but I haven't really done it in a year. Do you do interviews or do you, you're just doing teaching, right? I just do right? monologue. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. And that's for the, that's for the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast. Yeah. And then do you include interviews on there ever? Are we recording for real right now? Sure. I just kind of, I try, I try to just start off no, like, okay. like normal conversation. Uh, I have done some interviews. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. interviews are great. It's just, you got to like, I'm over at your house right now. I know. It's kind of hard to set up. Thank you for coming. canceled once, you know? Yeah. And even just getting <laughs> Skype set up with people. Yeah. So it's just, it's a lot of work to set up. It's anxiety producing. Yeah. Um, so it's easier for me like i always want to be consistent and do it every week yeah and then with other th- other things coming up i just haven't podcast like i should yeah and then the maccabee society that was a podcast right it was yeah but then i lost jared so it was hard to keep it going why did he just quit well they just wanted him to vote devote all his time to word on fire mm. so that jerk <laughs> so i understand <laughs> you know you can only like brand yourself in so many ways yeah so but you do you do a lot of stuff like this, like I mean, with the um, the new St. Thomas Institute, you're doing a lot of yeah. I mean, that's one reason why I podcast less is the new St. Thomas Institute is a ton of material. Yeah. So like this week we filmed eleven videos. Holy cow! And that's what? How much? That's 
probably 120, 130 minutes. Yeah. You know, of, of all that script has to be written. It's, and it's all like theological dense. Yeah. It's quoting church fathers and scripture. Yeah, and, yeah. So it's a ton of work to write and then to execute. Yeah. Because I, I have to kind of memorize it. You're on a camera. You don't want to keep yeah. looking at a sheet of paper. Um, so that's a lot of prep and a lot of work. Do you have a career that helps you? Video. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if people, we talked about the Joe Rogan podcast. I wonder if, Joe, do you think Joe Rogan just pays to fly his guests out? Or do you think they just happen to be in, or do you think they well, just want to be? Well, he's in LA. Yeah. He's in LA. Yeah. I'm sure he has a list of 300 people that he wants. Yeah. What's the guy he always has doing stuff on the side? Uh, Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Jamie's got a list of 300 people. Yeah. And they're just like, when you're in LA, buzz us. Yeah. Because now his show is so huge. I mean, people yeah. come on there to promote albums and yeah, and uh, films. And- I, I I heard that there was someone, there was another Jamie before Jamie and th- whoever the guy was, he said he couldn't keep up with Joe because Joe wanted to do three, four, five hours a day and he would just constantly be in there <laughs> recording interviews and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's good because he batches them. You can tell because yeah. they'll say oh, the previous show because yeah. you can tell that he's he's doing three or four, Yeah, which is the way to do it. Yeah, definitely. When I was productive and doing a lot of podcasts, I would try to do like two at a time. Yeah. I have no plans for this. Yeah. Just, I literally have just been texting people like, come over to my house. That's the good thing about the, the guest. Yeah. Is you, is you just rely on. Yeah. The hard part though is pitching. There are some people like authors of different books or like weird people that I want to have on. The hard part is uh, saying, hey, I want you to just come on and talk. And they're like, okay, so what's the, what's the format? How much time do you want? And you're like, a lot. All of it. Seven. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did you grow up in Texas? I did. I was born and raised in Fort Worth. Okay. Um, went to elementary. I don't know your story, man. This is partially just an excuse for me to get to know you better. So do you want me to start with birth or? Yeah. No, start, start with your grandparents. <laughs> okay. Or conception, maybe. Maybe start there. Oh. Uh, you know, an interesting tidbit, but speaking of my grandparents, since you want to start there. <laughs> Have you seen The Darkest Hour, the new Winston Churchill no, film? No, no. It's fantastic. Okay. It's great. Everybody listening, go watch it. Okay. Um, but I just found out there's a an old, like, reel-to-reel video of my grandfather, who was a professor at Harvard, on the steps at Harvard with Winston Churchill, like, shaking his hand and talking no to him. No way. Yes, but it's in, like, a box. So I'm going to find that and somehow get it on a... Yes. Even DVDs now archaic, but get it digitized. So it's a real, it's a, what yeah. is it? I don't even know anything I don't about know. This Someone stuff. like, some newscaster was there if like whatever you, some guy cranking yeah. it. You know? yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know. I don't know what it is, but I was talking to my uncle about it and uh, he's like, yeah, it's in there. We just need to get it out. Have you seen it though? I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. Okay. Other people in my family have seen it. Okay. So. Dang, that would be, cr- that's pretty crazy. Cool. It's pretty cool. So you're related to Winston Churchill, essentially. Well, no. My, we should add that to the Wikipedia well, no, entry. no, my, my grandfather shook his hands on the steps. Good enough for me. So. Taylor Marshall's related to Winston Churchill. <laughs> my DNA. So you grew up in Fort, Fort Worth, mm-hmm. but you haven't always been Catholic. I know that much. That's right. So I grew up in Fort Worth, and um, my dad has a PhD in meat science. What? Yeah, from Texas A&M. And he invented all these meat technologies. <laughs> That everyone listening has consumed and tried in their life. His big deal was in the early... Like jerky? Like beef jerky? Is that a meat technology? So in the early (laughs) 80s, he invented the way to... The fastest way to cure pepperoni, which is a cured meat. (laughs) This is so made up. You're making this up. No, this is real. (laughs) And 
our family became very successful and affluent because at that time, delivery pizza hit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so there was this huge demand in the United States for pepperoni. Like, who can get us, like, gazillions of pounds of pepperoni? I love pepperoni. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. And so he he invented ways to cure the pepperoni and dry it faster because pepperoni is in sticks that are as high, high as this room, like huh. 10 foot, and they slice it. But if you ever see a pepperoni stick, it's from floor to ceiling. It's tall. Do they, would he ship it sliced or just ship it as a stick? He would ship it sliced. Yeah. And, and wanted he... it direct onto the pizza. And so he was selling to, I mean, he was, he was dealing to Domino's. <laughs> he was dealing to Pep. And Pizza Hut and Little Caesars and Pizza Inn. Holy and, cow. Yeah, all the big shots. And so um, I grew up and there's just always like a stick of pepperoni in our house. <laughs> always. I don't even like pepperoni. <laughs> oh, gosh. Just like overdose as a kid. Yeah. Um, my kids like it, but I'm just like, oh. But then he got into sausages. Another thing that he did is, you know, because of E. coli, everybody's getting freaked out. And so one of his big deal was the meat we ship you has already been cooked, hmm. which, like, decreases your chances of of infection by tons. So you'd slice it and then cook it. And then... No, so, like, if it's sausage, oh. if it's chili, if it's hamburger patties. Like, it used to be that they would just ship the raw the stuff. Raw stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, if the packing guy had yeah. junk on his hands or yeah. – you know, something got in there and while it was shipping or the it got a little warm in the refrigeration. <laughs> so he so that was another thing is like it's safe because when it gets to you it's been cooked one time. Okay. So um but anyway, the reason I bring that up is is he became associated with Tom Monahan, who's the owner of Domino's Pizza, who's a Catholic guy. Yeah. Founder oh, of Ave Maria. Yes, Ave Maria. And then also the um uh, Christ the King Church in Ann Arbor, Michigan, is somehow related, isn't it? To maybe he donated the money for it. I don't uh, know. Okay, I know that that's like he was right in on Michigan. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of Michigan, he owned the Detroit Tigers, and so my dad was in Detroit, and they were doing some business deal. We need more pepperoni, some kind of deal like that. <laughs> and the Texas Rangers were playing the Detroit Tigers, and so I think my dad was like in his box owner's box or whatever yeah. and so he had someone go to the dugout and get all the texas rangers autographs and gave it to my dad as a gift and then when my dad got home from the business trip he gave it to me and i was like freaked out i think i was wow 12 let's see i think it was 87 no so i was like nine so i was and i was a huge ranger fan yeah and and one of the players named daryl porter he was the starting catcher at that time he he signed his name and he wrote Romans ten nine under his name. Hmm. Now our family was generically Christian, like Christmas and Easter, but our family not once went to church. Okay, I wasn't baptized. My brother and sister weren't baptized. You have a brother and a sister. Yeah, nice. My parents were married um, in the Methodist Church by Reverend Taylor. That's how I got my name. <laughs> Found out later, <laughs> um, but not church. You yeah. Know? And so I saw that Romans ten nine, and I was like, oh, some kind of code. Somehow I knew it was a Bible verse. Mm-hmm. My best friend was a Missouri Synod Lutheran, so I kind of got some Sunday school via him. Yeah. And I looked it up, and St. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Wow. And my Missouri Lutheran friend told me that I was going to hell because I wasn't baptized. He was. I wasn't. That's oh, wow. how you go to heaven. Wow. So I was like, well, I'm screwed. You know, at age eight, <laughs> nine, you know? 
And I was like, well, how do you get baptized? And like, you have to have your minister do it, you know? And I was like, I don't have a minister. I didn't even, I probably didn't even know that baptism involved water. I just, yeah. You're just like the thing, the thing, the card you get. Yeah. I don't have a thing it. called baptism. Yeah. That thing called baptism. And so, but here was this Bible verse that said you could be saved without baptism. Mm. You know? Yeah. This is like my non-sacramental in- introduction to Christ. Who is it that wrote the verse? Daryl Porter. Okay. Pray for him. He got really involved in, um, what's that called? Like young Christian athletes or fellowship of Christian athletes. Oh yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was real big on that. He, he had been a drug addict. He had been a cocaine addict. He was doing this kind of evangelization and stuff for young people, young athletes. And when they found him out in the middle of no, I might have the story wrong about this. Um, but as far as I can remember, they found him out somewhere next to his car, heart attack. Oh man. And they autism showed cocaine in his blood. Ugh, so he, he relapsed. That's And you know, when, when people get off their drugs, like yeah. with heroin too. Yeah. Yeah. And when they go back, they sometimes go back to their old dose, but they've been clean for so long. It was just, Oh man, I didn't know that. Yeah. Gosh. So that's what happens to a lot of people when they go clean. And so that's sad, but that verse, I looked it up and I was, it said, confess with your mouth. So I said it out, out loud. What'd you say? Like I confess with my mouth. You know, it says confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. Oh, so, you so just I said, said Jesus, Jesus is, is Lord, Lord out loud yeah, yeah, and yeah. believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I probably knew enough that he died on a cross or something, but yeah. So I believed that and I was like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> ultra call in my bedroom. Like, you know, you could do like come out, come out of the bedroom. Like mom, dad, I'm good. <laughs> I'm safe. I'm good. I'm safe. <laughs> yeah. No. So actually after that, I was like, you know, why don't we go to church? Who's Jesus? What's baptism? Should I go ahead and cover that as well? <laughs> so we started, I guess, cause they were married in the Methodist church. We started attending the Methodist church by our house. Nice. And, um, I was baptized there and confirmed Methodist and, and that was kind of in through middle school, high school. And then in high school, I started reading the Bible. I read the Bible a couple times from Genesis to maps and just, did you kind of get your parents back to church? after? Yeah. That? So both my, well, at the a year or so later, my parents divorced, but, um, but it seems like when you came out and said, I'm saved, I need to go to church. They were like, they, All right, they, let's they totally it. encouraged it. Yeah. 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 And, um, and then my brother and my sister, you know, they went to church and we became a church going like almost every Sunday church going family. Yeah. That happens a lot. I feel like, um, in my experience, I've seen a lot throughout youth ministry kids, they'll go on some retreat and then suddenly their <laughs> parents are like, our kid came home and said, we got to start going back to church. And so yeah. we just started coming. It's a grace. Yeah. It's it really cool. Grace. Um, yeah. Sometimes the Lord uses the, the child to yeah. catechize the parent. <laughs> yeah. So in high school, you start reading through the Bible a little bit. Yeah. So I, I went to this summer. So I had this buddy. He's like, Oh, you got to go to pine cove Christian camp in Tyler, Texas. Is that the same as the Pines? There's the Pines, which is the Catholic version. I mean, there's Pine Cove. That's the Protestant version. <laughs> okay. This is the Protestant version, okay. Pine Cove. And I was like, I don't know. He's like, there's all these cute girls there, and it's fun. And so I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> so, it was that easy. Just that easy. Well, you're in youth ministry. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Well, I've been in high school. Yeah. Cute, I was in high school. Yeah, I would go to cute stuff. members of the opposite sex yes. and pizza yes. equals attendance. Equals, let's do it. Yeah. Why not? Get away from my parents. Right. Yeah. Go to a Sports, camp. Sure. Water skiing. Let's do yeah. it. So I went and I had this, the camp counselor of my cabin. It's a really cool guy. 
And I was like, wow, this guy's a Christian. He's really cool. And he's like hardcore. And at one point he said, you know, at one point the, the Antichrist is going to come. Hmm. And he's going to take away all the Bibles. We have no Bibles. And he's like, the only way you're going to know the word of God is if you memorized it. That is intense. But also I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm, I, I kind of wish that were true a little bit because I'm like, man, that would make me hey, dude, really read all. Say of- in Texas, it'll, it'll preach. <laughs> <laughs> Start using it, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, we were like, whoa, you know, we and better do. So something. he's like, so he's like, the Bible is the word of God. It's letters from God to you. You have to read it every single day, and you need to start memorizing chunks of it. Mm. And I was like, okay, all I right, will. yeah, this is serious, yeah. So I got home. I hadn't really read the Bible. Yeah. And I wanted to know more about Jesus. And I kind of felt, well, I'm like, at this point, like 15. I'm like behind the curve. Um, and so I got home and I opened up Genesis. And from, I think from summer till the end of the year, I read it to Revelation. Whole yeah. Thing. And I'm like, I'll read it again. And then the next year I read it two more times. Yeah. Now this is, for all our Catholic listeners, minus seven books. Uh, so it was so easier, way easier. Way easier. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's like, you know, you got to, it's like three weeks less reading, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. And then I was like super into the Bible and old Testament. And then I was going to the Methodist church and I remember the reverend there, he was like, you know, he was preaching on a, on a, a miracle of our Lord. And he said, you know, he's driving out demons, but you know, there are no demons. We all know there's no devils. He's, huh. he's just driving out what? you know, these medical issues that people in the old days thought were demons. Mm. And I was like, I've read the Bible. Jesus, he's talking, he's talking to these demons. Yeah. 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 He's not talking to medical issues. Yeah. 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 And I was like, man, this pastor's whack. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to Methodist church anymore. Yeah. This isn't the true church. I was like, what's the true church? Dang. So that was like about 15 or 16. And so I was like, I got to find the true church. We're so were your parents like, Hey, we're still going to the Methodist yeah, church. Like, we're still going to the Methodist church. And they were just cool with you just being like, all right, find another. Well, I mean, I would still like go with them, but then like my friends at school would be like, so you, where do you go? Assembly of God. I'll come to your youth group this weekend. <laughs> see what that's about. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> people rolling on the floor, speaking in tongues. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, I started exploring and going to different places. And when I got into college, I was still going to different, all different kinds. Yeah. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to Texas A&M. Nice. Which has a great Catholic um, yeah. young adult Yeah, the ministries. Newman Center, I think. Yeah. Or, yeah. But I never went. Nice. I mean, I, I visited <laughs> a few times. Did you see, was it a presence on campus back then? Oh, or? huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Huge. But by that time, I was pretty evangelical. and You knew enough to stay away from the Catholics. Yeah. I was like, my main issue with them was y'all worship food. Yeah. And Mary? Uh, you know, I, I've never been one that's like hung up on Mary. Yeah. Um, I find that too. I find that, uh, sometimes just the, the, uh, picture answer when you say like, look, if you see a picture of a family member or yeah. sorry, that's more like saints. But like, if you just say like, yeah, you see this image of, yeah, it's like, of a family member and they're in heaven and you just go, Hey, like, I hope that person prays for me. Yeah. I mean, heaven. I was always like, wow. Like the son of God, like was born of her. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I was always kind of in awe of that. Yeah. I had a good incarnational theology already, yeah. but the main issues for me were the Pope and food worship and worshiping the Eucharist. And I was like, if the Pope's, this is JP too. I was like, if the Pope really loves Jesus, why is he always like talking about 
Mary and yeah. worshiping the Eucharist and all that. Yeah. So I kind of thought the John Paul II was no good. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, I was reading, I remember taking this medieval class and, and uh, reading about King Arthur and all this. And they were like, went to a mass before some tournament or battle. And I was like, wait, King Arthur went to mass. <laughs> like, yeah. How old is this stuff? And so that got me in, and I was kind of like reading John Calvin and Luther, and they would sometimes, Calvin would sometimes quote St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Mm-hmm. And so I looked up who that was, and of course they're talking about Augustine, and sometimes St. John Chrysostom. It was like, I got to get into these guys. And so when I was in college, I started reading Church Fathers, and I think I read like Apostolic Fathers, and Didache, and Augustine, and maybe St. John Chrysostom, and was like, wow, these early guys are into the Eucharist, bishops, apostolic succession, sacramental piety, um, baptism is a big deal. Yeah. So like a lot of my evangelical presuppositions were eroded. And I saw, having read the Bible several times, I saw like them quoting these passages and they're undeniable. So you're getting more into like a high church kind of area. Exactly. But I was not high church enough where I could become a Catholic. And like, you know, I loved, I, I was okay with the Blessed Mother. I wasn't against mm-hmm. Mariology, yeah. but I will say that I was totally freaked out by Our Lady Guadalupe. Mm. And I, I pray to Our Lady Guadalupe daily right now. Yeah. And I was just like, it's a Mexican thing. Yeah. You know, like I saw it airbrushed on the hoods of cars. Yeah. And in Mexican restaurants. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. You know, I remember talking to this Mexican guy and he brought up Our Lady Guadalupe and I started saying, oh yeah, the Blessed Virgin Mary. He's like, no man. Our Lady Guadalupe. And I'm like, yeah, the Blessed Virgin Mary. He's like, no, man. Our Lady Guadalupe and the Virgin Mary are two different women. I'm like, oh, no. weird, yeah. He's like, he's like, you aren't even Catholic. You don't even know. And I was like, dude, I'm not Catholic, but I know yeah. that that's the same person. Yeah. It's a different apparition. Of the yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, man. Our Lady Guadalupe is different than Maria. And I'm like. That's interesting. Are other... I and mean, I was like, I was like, at that point, my Catholics are whack. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they don't well, even know. It's interesting because I'm now thinking, are other are Protestant denominations as culturally diverse? Cause like Catholic is so, I mean, it's all around the world and we have Mexican Catholics. We have, we have all those other, no, you're fine. Protestants are not diverse. Usually. Okay. So yeah. So like they wouldn't have, they, so they have less, or I guess there's less of a understanding that, okay, there's Anglicans in Africa that might do this a little differently or. Uh, I didn't know that at the time. Okay. Okay. I mean, to me, when just I like, was there's in, Anglicanism. So when I was in high school, in Fort Worth, yeah, pretty much everyone was Baptist, and then like Rosemary with red hair was Catholic, and then all the Mexicans were Catholic, <laughs> and then like some rich people were like Methodist and Episcopalian, yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost everyone was Baptist, so it yeah. was kind of like besides the redheaded family with eight children, yeah, and all the Hispanics, yeah, that's like a different culture. Dang, I don't so know. You- I don't know if Fort Worth still like that. Yeah. But so you, so you you're you're high church, not Catholic. You're starting to get into yeah. Like, so so in the end of in the end of college, I'm kind of like, man, I need like the Eucharist and liturgy and all that. So Anglicanism was yeah, actually kind of like high church Presbyterianism and Anglicanism was what I was into. And I met my wife my senior year, and she'd been raised Baptist, but she was kind of like getting into like sacramental stuff. Yeah. She started attending the Episcopal Church around this time. Yeah. It's kind of like our initial attraction was we were having this sort of epiphany. Yeah. Um, what were you both studying at the time? I was studying, I was going to go to seminary. I was studying 
philosophy is my major and classics, my minors are Greek and Latin. Nice. And she was studying education or English and education at Baylor. Cool. So, yeah, anyway, I mean, to, to move things along here, I eventually became an Episcopalian priest. Wait, so were you planning on going to Episcopalian seminary or were you just saying at some, some no, I was time? Like, I need to figure out which is the true, like the yeah. right way so I can go to the right seminary. Yeah, yeah. So you just knew you wanted to go to seminary. Dang. Yeah. Uh, somewhat, sometime in college, I kind of had this call, like, I want to be a, I want to be clergy. I want to be a pastor. Was it that you wanted to be, cl- some pe- so there's a lot of, you know, some people just want to be. <laughs> speakers to large conferences you know some people want to work for a church some people want to no i wanted to be a cleric okay what was it about it was it just worshiping god in the liturgy or was it i love the i mean even even now i miss it like yeah you know i talked to some priest like i gotta go to the hospital i loved going to the hospital yeah last rites and yeah yeah. walk around and anointing people yeah um so being involved in the yeah, I liked all that. The sacraments. And I loved the, the preaching part. I just yeah. loved all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing I didn't like were like, I don't know, angry moms or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know like yeah. Complainers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I just um, said there's some people that want to work for a church because they, they, they just want to be a speaker. There's some people that want to work for the church because they want to. They like, you know, zeal for souls. Like, I just want to, I just want to talk to people one-on-one and, and help guide them to jesus yeah you know i I don't think i ever i never saw it as i I mean at 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 my parish the pastor was more of the you know he he preached three sundays a month and then i preached one Mm -hmm. so i was but like on daily eucharist and stuff i'd preach so i was a little bit you know less in front of the congregation of course i was like newly ordained so you don't you know, yeah. the pulpit every Sunday. Um, and you know, in the Episcopal Church, like, you did all, like, when you prepared a sermon, you did the 7 o'clock, the 8 o'clock, the 9 o'clock, the 11. Like, it wasn't in, like, Catholic churches where they just yeah. divide it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I liked all of it. I, I, I kind of liked the idea of the priest as the cure of souls, you know? Yeah. So what... What was, how do you go from there to becoming Catholic? What was, so I was, how long was that gap? So I was, cause you, you were, you were, you were ordained short. a yeah, I was clergyman. Ordained. Okay, yeah. cool. Priest. How long was we seminary? Priest. Oh, priest. Okay. You were ordained. How long was your was uh, seminary? Father Marshall. Wow. <laughs> Father collar. doctor. My collar. Yeah. Oh, I have seen a picture of that actually. Yeah. Yeah, the collar looks there, good on you. I don't know if flo- I can say that. There's some floating around. Yeah. yeah. So how long were you in seminary? Was, is it kind of similar to Catholic seminary? No. So Protestant seminary is three years typically. Okay. Okay. It, they assume that you have a a bachelor's, and if you do, it's three years. That seems fast. It is fast. Yeah. So you were ordained, and then had you married your wife at this point, or? Yeah. So we married after my first year in seminary, and I was in sem. I actually had to do an extra year because uh, and initially I went to a Presbyterian seminary, and then before I was ordained. Anglican, the bishop was like, look, you're smart, you've got all the creds and everything, but I need you to get liturgized. He's like, I want you to learn how to chant, I want you to learn how to use incense, I want you to be able to chant the tones for Easter and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I did an extra year in Wisconsin. And then, uh, so then how long were you, 
um, an ordained clergyman so before just a year. Oh, before you were like before I was pulled the parachute. <laughs> Dang. So, Dude, you do things. You're dramatic. I know. I just don't. I you're just, just like hot or cold. That's right. So I, <laughs> you know, I was I, on Thursdays. We would have a, a a Eucharist, and I'll air quote that. Yeah. And afterwards, the Episcopalians would go to the Planned Parenthood, and we'd go and pray. And also, there was Catholics there. And then you know Father Kyle here in the diocese. That sounds. Denton? It sounds familiar. He was there on Thursdays too, and so I got I got to know him, and I would see like these like. There's this one woman, and she was a bit older, but like a, a petite, tr- attractive woman. She's like in on her knees in the gravel, like praying the rosary mm. for the unborn. I was like, man. That's intense. That's so awesome. Like, she believes. Yeah. Know, she's like offering penance right here for these women and for these children. And so just see, I mean, we would go and there'd be like seven or eight Episcopalians and 20 Catholics and they were always there and kind of got to know each other and they were very friendly and always very kind to me and and um, Father Kyle would always kind of include me and put me under his wing and so occasionally I would I would preach about that or talk about that at the parish and some lay people and even one of the priests was like you know we are technically pro life but let's not talk about it it's kind of a political issue it makes a lot of people uncomfortable really there's a lot of other things that we need to focus on and talk about in our community and i was like well it's kind of like thou shalt not kill 10 commandments basic yeah. morality yeah it is an issue for our time well we don't really think so and Dang. i had this one layman who was on the vestry which is like the parish council and he's like, yeah, I don't think you should talk about it anymore. You're newly ordained. You got a lot of zeal. Let's knock this off. You know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm going to keep doing it. He's like, well, last time I checked, the Episcopalian health insurance for clergy that you receive covers abortion. Whoa. Did you, did you know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> Dang. And he was like, so technically, you know, you need to either find a new church or was there like an official stance though by the no. Episcopals on abortion? No, this is just a really smart layman who was going really? for the gut. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, Oh man, he hit me where it hurt, you know? So there's no, so there's no official like cat, like Episcopal catechism or something where it's okay. So up. that's the thing. Like these people would come into my office or we'd have lunch and we talk and I was kind of like, okay, so I'm quoting scripture, you know, the basic. Yeah. But, you know, like you knit me in my mother's womb and these, you yeah. know, John the Baptist slept in his mother's womb, but they kind of, he, you know, him and Han, I was like, you know, I just need a freaking catechism. Yeah. You know, or like. Yeah. John Paul II encyclical, you know, I need yeah. something for real. Martin Luther had a catechism, right? Like yeah, he didn't say anything about abortion. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't, that didn't help. We didn't really follow Luther. That didn't help. So I was like, I need like a rock. Yeah. You know, and so this was. I was a high church Anglican. Yeah. I mean, just to give you a perspective for that, I prayed the rosary every day, five mm-hmm. decades. I didn't even know that they did the rosary. Oh, yeah. Wow. In seminary, we wore the, I see some of these Catholic seminaries, I'm like, this is a Catholic seminary. We wore cassocks every day. Mm-hmm. At noon, the bells rang and we stopped and prayed the Angelus. Mm-hmm. Um, we chanted morning prayer. Yeah. Evening prayer. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. It was really cool. So like, like we were pretty high church. I mean, we did Eucharistic adoration. Yeah. At this point, I was okay with it. Wow. Uh, I wore the scapular. Yeah. Um. So they start challenging you, and you're thinking, I'm thinking, man, man we need a catechism. This yeah. is not. I'm like, 
I'm like, I've been a priest for like four months and it's not working. (laughs) I need some tools here. Yeah. You know, I can't say like, well, the bishop says. Oh, yeah. Or the Archbishop of Canterbury says. So do do, do they have just councils to kind of hash some of these things out if they come up? No. no, Really? Really? No. Huh. Protestantism, bro. Well, I mean, like, I know that there's, um, there's like. Oh, they have like local synods. Yeah. Like. Where they like vote. If an issue comes up or something. what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because if you disagree with, then you just form your own synod. Yeah, because that happens. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, I there's, think there's happens several in, Anglican. Yeah, Lutheran too. Yeah. I think. So, <laughs> so you're like four months in, and you're like, <laughs> this isn't working. I, I love the church. Yeah. So um, whatever that means, but I want to be in the church, but yeah. maybe not this one. Yeah. So at that point, you know, I there were still major theological differences I had with Catholicism, like. Um, Treasury of Merit was one of them. What's that? Uh, that oh, like Jesus and Mary, Jesus, Mary, and the saints have stowed up all these merits, and the Pope can unlock those and distribute them via indulgences on Earth. Oh, probably right. didn't even know we had that. Didn't even know about that. <laughs> well, I, I was like, "That's whack." I don't believe in that. <laughs> right? Most Catholics yeah. are like, "I don't know where that is." Actually, <laughs> yeah. we believe in that. Yeah, that was one of them. I was like, "Man, this sounds sketchy." Yeah. Um. That was one. Another celibacy was one, especially because I was like, I'm, I feel called to like live this life for yeah. my whole life. Yeah, yeah. Um, why would you have to be celibate? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, what else was on there? You know, like couldn't you have done something though where you transfer in? Oh yeah, like Anglican yeah. priest. Yeah, I could. I actually started that process, but discerned out. Yeah. Um. But there were some other things too on there, like papal infallibility and maybe immaculate conception, and yeah, not a lot, you know, less than ten things. Yeah, that I was like, uh, but then there was like a thousand things that I was like, cool, this is yeah. And you know, Joy, she she and I listened to a a Catholic friend giving us a Janet Smith mm-hmm. cassette mm-hmm. tape. Mm-hmm. What are those? Um, it's kind of like this reel to reel. It has audio on it. And um, we listened to it while we were engaged, and we were like, we're not going to do contraception. We're going to do this NFP thing. Yeah. Um, and so we were already kind of on board on that. Yeah. So we were open. Yeah. Um, and that was another major thing. Weirded where, out all your uh, your friends, your oh, Episcopal yeah. friends. <laughs> like, why are you having kids so much? <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, we became Catholic. Um, we actually went wait, to- so you just, Wait, but so it just was, it was that easy for you? It was just well, like, well, there's all these things and just- I mean, the- kind of the the flare version of it is we went to rome yeah literally went to rome and, yeah um we met monsignor conley who's now bishop conley yeah in lincoln and uh he really challenged me with like cardinal newman and was like look just gotta become catholic I'm yeah like, i kind of know that but i got some hang-ups i'm just not so sure yeah isn't there some paperwork you have to submit to your <laughs> yeah, episcipal yeah. church yeah. and yeah there is i had to renounce my orders yeah wow and um, he met, he had me meet with Cardinal Baum, and Cardinal Baum, he just questioned me all this stuff, like what do you believe about Mary and the sacraments and the Eucharist, and on and on and on for an hour. And then at the end of it, he's like, oh, my son, you are a Catholic. Is it because you were clergy that, that they had to go that route? Like, is it because they ha- – is that why they had to – I mean, I'm just imagining you just walking into an RCA at some local parish and then being like, yeah, sure, let's go through the process. Yeah, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> I mean, so when I got home, after I met with all these people in Rome, yeah. and, and I went to like the Scavi tour and saw the bones of Peter, yeah, yeah. and I went to mass with Pope Benedict. Yeah. 
I guess what I'm saying is, can any clergy from another denomination just like schedule an appointment with a bishop in Rome? I don't think so. <laughs> I think it was miraculous. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Because I got the I got this number from a friend for for Monsignor Conley, and he yeah. just kept on opening doors yeah. while we were there. He's That's like, awesome. He's like, I know you're on your vacation. Do you want to meet with the cardinal? I was like, yes, yes, yeah. Um, and then when I was at mass with Pope Benedict. I knew I couldn't receive communion and that just like killed me. Mm. I just felt my guts. Like so, I, was, I was like, I'm a heretic. I'm was, a was that your first time to Rome? I went as a teenager. as a Protestant. Okay. I was nonplussed back then. But this- <laughs> I was like, yeah, Vatican looks kind of cool, but they stole all that money. But so. this time with all the high church stuff going yeah, on, like I'm sure. It. Yeah. All about I'm it. sure you're recognizing yeah. a lot of, yeah. And then like when I was there at St. Peter's with Benedict and like from here to there. Yeah. I was like, I can't receive communion. I'm a schismatic. Dang. And I was like, if I die, I'm going to go to hell. Wow. I'm outside the church. That's intense. Yeah. So that's when you're like. So then I got home. I met with the Bishop of Fort Worth, Bishop Van, who's now Bishop of Orange mm-hmm. County, and told him all this stuff. And then eventually I went and met with my Episcopal Bishop. And. What was that conversation like? Tense? Yeah, this he isn't was, really working out. It was like he's like, yeah, but the Eastern Orthodox and the Catholics and the Anglicans rolling this together. Yeah, and Constantinople yeah. and the Orthodox. And- I've always wondered in conversations like that, especially with clergy, how long they're willing to kind of talk to you. <laughs> so it was like an hour, and then he was like, "Well, let's just meet again next month, and we'll talk again." You keep thinking about it and praying about it, and I just told him like. I'm leaving the Episcopal yeah. priesthood. I'm becoming a Catholic. Yeah. He's like, keep, let's talk about it next month. Yeah. And so I was driving out of the parking lot and I was like, Taylor, what are you doing? Mm. Like, you should have been firm. Like, yeah, I thought I was, but it kind of got bottled up. Yeah. yeah. And so I drove home. I Anglicans have their canon law. I opened up our canon law. I found it. Canon, whatever it is. A priest renouncing his orders, mm. and I wrote a letter, and it was like in conformity with Canon three hundred five eight six. You know, I hereby formally renounce my orders yeah. and all pastoral functions and ministry in the Anglican. Da, 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 da. That seems like a politeness, though. Do you have to do that? Like, yeah. I okay. So if you in the Episcopal, if you don't do it, and you're just like, I'm a Catholic, I'm an Orthodox, yeah. I'm a Buddhist. Yeah, yeah. So then they begin a trial. Oh, and it goes to trial. What if you just don't go? You're just like, I'm then, Catholic now. Well, then it'll, some guys have actually done that. Yeah. And it'll go six months and then finally they'll reach a verdict and they'll deprive you of your orders in office. I mean, that doesn't sound that bad. So it's kind of like, a, it's, it's like, a, yeah, I mean, it's like a dishonorable discharge. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So you want, you but, want, you wanted like a good, but just between good you record. and me, like in ecumenical times and yeah. places, yeah. a lot of times a Catholic bishop won't touch you if you do that because he likes to go to the ecumenical thing once a year and shake gotcha. hands with the because that's what i was wondering like hey buddy and like be all friends that's and what he doesn't want to be like hey so i still have that trial for the guy who just came in you know <laughs> that's what i was wondering is like does this record go somewhere where they're like hey by the way uh like does he send a letter to the pope and go hey here's all the people we here's all the people we dishonorably discharge well this something. is episcopalians yeah so they don't yeah. send it to the pope yeah no yeah i know so, but but just yeah, I notice. Mean, so, I mean, if you do it yourself, instantly you're out. Yeah. But if you just kind of like drop the mic and roll out, it's going to, you're technically still an Episcopal priest until they give you the verdict. Dang. So was there any follow-up on that? Were they just like, so, cool? I, so did I, they just send you back a, so thank wrote, you for your reply. So I wrote the note. 
I drove back to the Episcopal Bishop's yeah. office, and it was like 4.58. And I went in, and I was like, is Bishop Iker still in? And the secretary was like, he just left for the day. I said, okay, will you please give him this letter? And she's like, sure. And so then I got a phone call from him. It was like 9.28 the yeah. next morning. Yeah. And he's like, hey, Father Marshall, I just got your letter. I understand. Thank you for being honest and having the integrity to do that. I accept it. You're formally released. I said, thank you. Wow. What was that like? What did that feel like? It felt horrible. Really? That was the hardest part. Cause I, I, I really liked Bishop Iker. He was very, you know, in the Catholic church, like bishops, like seem like CEOs, like they are so removed mm. and like behind so many walls yeah. and moats and all this, you know? Yeah. yeah. And he wasn't like that. You yeah. Know, like any, if you were a priest and you called him, he'd be like, well, can you be here in an hour? Yeah. Um, and he was strict too. He was like, you wear black shined shoes. Mm. If you ever go in the sacristy, even just to go pick up a book, you put on your cassock to show dignity to the sacristy, mm. to the um, sanctuary. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like, you pray your morning prayer and your, you pray your office, you know, like, yeah, he was kind of a general that way. Yeah. Yeah. But he also would reiterate to us, I am your pastor. Mm. You're the pastor at your church, but you need a pastor too. And I am your pastor. That's cool, man. It was awesome. It That's was really, really cool. cool. And like, yeah. I talk to some Catholic priests now and I hear the relationship they have with their bishop. I'm just like, my mouth's hanging open. Like mm. you talk to him once a year for five minutes. Like what? Yeah. Like, how does that work? Yeah. Um, so he was a father and like, even this is kind of weird for Catholics here, but like even he and his wife and my wife went on a couple of double dates. You know, like, <laughs> you know? That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, like, it was a friendly, good yeah. relationship. Yeah, and yeah. so I felt that I had really disappointed him and, you know, he had invested in me and, and I had, yeah, I'd gone away. So when did, when did that feeling though start <laughs> getting better? I mean, there was an initial excitement about becoming a Catholic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my wife and I were received in May of '06. Mm -hmm. with... Was that in Rome too? I thought. I think there's no. Some we were received at Cathedral in, okay. in here in Fort Worth. Yeah. And um, that was great. It was exciting. Um, that first year, though, becoming a Catholic was pretty awful. Did you know what you were going to do? Um, so I needed a job. I, my Joy was pregnant with our fourth child. Yeah. And so a friend of mine said, pray to St. Jude. He's his patron saint of desperate cases. I didn't know that. So I prayed to being a Jude and I got offered a job in DC. Okay. Um, being the assistant director of the Catholic information center. Mm -hmm. And then also basically running the pastoral provision, which is the means for Episcopal priests to become Catholic priests. Okay. With if the idea was kind of, I would oversee it for a year while I became a Catholic priest and yeah. then I would be the guy who ran it. Yeah. And so, so I did that for a year, but during that year, I was like, I don't know if I want to be a Catholic priest. Yeah. Um, and so during, even though I began that process and I was a candidate for whole orders and, um, I just discerned out and decided I'm going to go the lay route. Yeah. So is that what made that year kind of hard? Discerning it was, that? it was, yeah. yeah. I was just kind of tormented. Like, yeah. Collar and necktie, collar and necktie, you know, like back and forth and like kids and yeah. my wife having a baby yeah. and like also just seeing that the way Catholic priests are perceived by the lady and their function and 
all of that, I was like, wow, that's really different than the Episcopal. Really? Church. In what way? Like, mm. uh, less informal, or sounds like, or more in more formal, or we don't really we don't really hang out with our priests. Yeah, I've like I've I've been fortunate enough to have plenty of examples of priests that were like that right. come over for dinner and right. stuff like that. But I, I do know that that's the case for a lot of Catholics are just, Oh look, I, there one goes. Exactly. It's yeah. kind of, yeah, it's kind of like seeing a, a big male elk out in yeah. nature. You're like, Whoa, take a picture. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just, I don't know. And then, you know, we were having our fourth child. And I knew more were going to come. We have eight. So I just was like, Jeez, that's like a big stress to have a large family yeah. and it's a big stress to be a priest. And I just don't know if I can bear that, you know? Yeah. And it was at that time too, I met Scott Hahn and, and he and I hit it off and, and kind of began a friendship and he really encouraged me to go get my doctorate. And, um, so that was kind of a moment of getting to know him and he, he kind of, he invited me every year out to his lake house and he had this thing for, for grad students and speakers. And I, I was kind of brought into that and I kind of saw like a different way to do apostolate. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, like I was like, okay, so I could still somehow like minister do ministry, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't be a priest Yeah, at a parish under a pastor and under a bishop, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause I had known two married Episcopal priests and both of them had left the priesthood and left the Catholic church. Dang. Yeah. Like total train wreck. Yeah. Like one of them just like watching a guy do a swan dive into a parking lot, you know, just gosh, horrible. And I was like, Whoa, I don't want that to be me. Yeah. I have a, uh, Keith, one of my friends, he, uh, he has a friend who's married and a priest, I'm pretty sure in some Protestant denomination, but, things are getting super stressed and he does everything at this church. I mean, he does everything. It's super yeah. small. He does everything. He's super stressed. I think he had a heart attack mm. and he's like in his twenties still. And, yeah. and, uh, he told Keith, uh, I know now why they have <laughs> celibate priests. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that was kind of the turn. And so I went and got my PhD and I started writing books and kind of just been that way since, 2000 because you taught a little bit you taught a little bit at the college level right i did or yeah. do you still you no. still teach in rome every now and then right yeah in the summer yeah yeah mm -hmm. man so now you're just living the dream now you're just stay at home dad who also well who also works at home yeah i mean i the have the speaking I have an gig office. and yeah um but yeah we just you know the new saint thomas institute yeah when did that start so i started that in 13 okay um i was getting into long distance ed yeah. online ed and i was like this is incredible yeah this is the future mm -hmm. i still firmly believe that within 20 to 50 years all all education except for like high-end like neurosurgeons and yeah is going to be digital yeah man oh i know you, i know you, you've listened to some of jordan pearson but he said the same thing a few yeah. times and he talked about he's like he's like why would i go back to teaching at my university where i could teach to 35 kids when any of my lectures that go online like millions of people see it and there are millions exactly. of people that want to see it and want exactly. to watch all the way through. Yeah. I mean, I've taught it, you know, down the street here at university of Dallas. It's great. There's 25 kids in there and yeah. you grade the paper and, and there is a, there's something very organic and real about that. Yeah. And I do miss that. Yeah, yeah. But you know, like my podcast, there's 
a million downloads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're never, you could teach at a university for thousands of years and you're not going to hit those numbers. Now, people are going to argue, well, you're not making the same impact. That's true. It's not as deep. But also, you know, of those 25, 13 of those people in my class didn't care that much. Anyway, I know, right? You know? And it, yeah, and it's, it's, and like, it's the other weird. There was like four of them that were like at the office hours every day. Like, okay, so I just re- finished. The, yeah, you know, I just finished uh, Plato's Phaedrus, and like, yeah, okay, so what's going on here? And like, totally pumped. And you're like, yeah, yeah let's do it. You know, like, yeah. rip it off the ball. You know, but most aren't. Yeah. And what I love about New St. Thomas Institute is, you know, we have three thousand students. They're all pretty hardcore. Yeah. Like you don't you don't say to yourself you know I want to sit home on Wednesday night. And watch a and watch Taylor Marshall talk about, um, I don't know the treasury of merit. Yeah, the treasury of merit. We have a class, you know, a class on that. Uh, I should send it to you. So you should. So I you need to take it. it. Yeah, you know, or you know, baptismal theology. Yeah, or Mariology. Like, if you're going to do that, you're pretty, you're pretty, pretty in, intense into your faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you're like a- asking questions. So I just, I kind of feel like everyone that I'm interfacing online. Is in it to win it. Yeah. Well, and you can get your lecture perfect. And then it's there and you get your lecture perfect and then it's there. Right. And you don't have to go back to it. It's just there. It's done. And you can move on to something else. I'm now getting the point doing it five years where there's like a catalog of lessons where people refer back and I'm like, oh, I got to redo some of them, retool (laughs) some of them. I might have to go watch them myself. (laughs) No, not that they're wrong. I'm just like, did I do that one? Oh, yeah, we did that one. You know? Yeah. Um, like when you said treasury mayor, I was like, yeah, we did do one on treasury mayor. <laughs> so if you like asked me a question on it five yeah. years later, I'd be like, uh, yeah, know, I'd probably be okay. But yeah, you know, there's, it's true because there's, you know, I check the comments every week and yeah. there's, there's someone watching the video from four years and six months ago for the first time yeah. and they're totally pumped and have a question about it. Yeah. And so that, that is one difficulty is like, we have to bring that excitement in answering these questions and comments. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because for them, it's completely fresh. Even yeah. though for me, it's four years ago. Yeah. Do you, do you think, do you think one of these larger organizations will try to go that route as well? Like Ascension Every, presents or, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we're the largest, we're the biggest. I mean, Ascension presents has their form.org that they release, but it's not what you're talking about. I mean, it's just video resources. It's not, right. this sounds like, I mean, it's a learning curricula. Yeah. It's a learning platform. Yeah. Certificates. Yeah. So, you know, like if you're, if you're listening right now and you want to take like a six month course on Catholic philosophy. Yeah. Like who's Aristotle and how does this relate to transubstantiation? We have, we have that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you go through it and, and, you know, it's like you mark as you go through, it keeps track. Like you're 48% finished. Yeah. And there's little quizzes along the way and final exams. And so it's, I mean, we spent a lot of money making it user-friendly, yeah. user experience, and I'm really proud of it. I think it's a really cool thing. I think this is – it's going to happen everywhere because, like, if you want to take a, a psychology class, do you want to go to the local college or even a great college, mm-hmm. or do you want to watch Jordan Peterson's psychology class online? Yeah, totally. Yeah, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, let's say you're, like, a huge Civil War buff. Yeah. You love Civil War. yeah. yeah. You could go down to Austin and take their Civil War class at yeah. the University of Texas. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure there's some guy out there who's the Jordan Peterson of yeah. Civil War. Well, if he offered his class online for $200, you would say, oh, I would, instead of paying $2,000 to take the local class, I'll spend $200 and take the best guy in the world in Civil War. Yeah, yeah. And listen or, to it on two times speed if he talks slow. Exactly. Or Russian literature. Yeah. 
Well, I'm sure, I mean, you're in great health. I'm sure you'll never die. But if, if, if Jordan Pearson ever dies, you could still take his class. Exactly. You still get trained by him. I know. Yeah. It's know. weird, man. It's, it's really it's cool. crazy. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really crazy. And so, you know, I'm building this catalog. We have like seven certificates and hopefully one day we have 30 and it's just yeah. floating there. Do you think you could get accredited in some way, shape, or form? Do you think the accreditation people thing ask would... that, and I always say, "Heck no, really, no way." You wouldn't I... want to. No. Well, for, we're already we're in like fifty something nations. Yeah, yeah. So to get that accredited, yeah, yeah. probably never going to happen. Yeah. Um, and also, like one of the beautiful things about New St. Thomas Institute is we don't have any semesters. Mm. We don't have any of the restraints of the accreditation model. Mm. So, like, if you want to go do that certificate and you want to take three years to do it. You do that. Do it, yeah. You want to do it in six months? You do that. Yeah. You know? That's cool. And I don't, and honestly, when it comes to accreditation in anything religious studies, it's super hairy. Yeah. I don't like it at all. Yeah, yeah. Almost all of them are going to have a Methodist person on the accreditation. Really? Or a Lutheran person. Yes. I know the Augustine Institute had a pro, well, I just know that they were. Yeah, they in had the a hard process. time. They, they had, had a hard, hard time, time getting through, yeah. Because what happens is you have an amazing curriculum you've been using for five years, and then accreditation comes along, like, well, you don't have an ecumenical studies course in your mm, curriculum. Mm. In order yeah. to get accredited, you get, well, we don't want it. Well, in order to be accredited, you have the ecumenical studies. And that's one of the best parts about. Or how about this feminist theology course? Oh, gosh. That's coming. Oh, gosh. I don't really think any of the conservative. Catholic educational institutes are going to be accredited at all in 15 years. Yeah. And that's one of the strengths of making your own, your own content. And yeah, you're like, you're just like, I'll make my own syllabus. I'll yeah. throw in here whatever I want. Yeah. And I mean, as long as we have, you know, bishops and priests and yeah. buying in and helping and promoting, I'm fine. Is there some that. type of approval from bishops that you had to get or that you wanted to get or we, it's kind of, I mean, how do you do that? I know because it's 50 in 50 nations. nations. Yeah. But we have bishops in other nations. Yeah. Um, I, I won't name the bishop, but I had a bishop write me yesterday saying, thanks so much. Yeah. Great resources. How do you think that's going to work? Like, that's one thing that. And we have, we have parishes that do it for their whole parish or yeah. for all their staff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They buy like a, a, a parish version and have 10 people on staff. That's cool. And then they can say, well, for your continued ed, we want everyone you know, this year, everyone on staff needs to get the certificate in Catholic apologetics Wow, to 12 months. We have a 12 month yeah. certificate and then everyone on staff on their own time does it. Yeah. And it's a inexpensive, great way. And they all kind of can talk up. They can either watch the videos together or on their own time. Yeah. It's yeah, a great that, little solution. That's one thing I think about a lot. I feel like we still have so much, I don't know. We just, the whole internet thing just throws all of <laughs> the Catholic church into a weird it is. position. Um, I, I, what we're seeing in the Catholic church is what we're, we've seen in the last five to 10 years in celebrities in Hollywood. Like Twitter makes famous people not so special. Hmm. Right. What do you mean? Well, I mean, if you see like the rock posting himself working out or his new shirt, he just got, yeah, he's not that special. Yeah. 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 I mean, he looks jacked and his shirt's cool, whatever, but it's yeah. like, he's just a dude. Yeah. You know? But uh, but then there's also those people that, like, what's that guy? There's, well, there's Ashley people- Judd's like, <laughs> feminist, nasty yeah. woman. You're like, oh, she's just like an angry, <laughs> washed up actress. Yeah, or there's people like you the know? Kardashians that aren't special and then become popular for no other reason other than they're on it. Yeah, they're but even the then, media. they're not that special. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's no, like, allure or aura yeah. around her like there would be, like, around Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, if Marilyn Monroe was like posting, I just got this new lipstick today and, you know, check out my shoes I'm going to wear at the Grammys or like whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's an, once there's access, you're not as special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if someone comes to your home and they see your normal furniture and like what's in your fridge and all that, you're like, oh, you're just like me. Yeah. And Twitter and all these things, I think have let us see that all these famous, cool people just them. What do you think the effect is on? Like, is that good or bad? Are you saying? I think we don't take them as seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes them. Is this why you're not on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. (laughs) But it's like, I don't know. I even like the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. It's he's no longer untouchable. Mm. Yeah. And the whole thing went down on Twitter. Yeah. It's these women like saying, you did this, you did this, you did this. I mean, they're not, they're no longer enshrined. They're no mm-hmm. longer in an ivory, t- ivory tower. Twitter means that anyone in the whole world can like reach out and touch you. Yeah. Or say something. And so, yeah. Like you're exposed. Yeah. Like, I like click it. Even like everyone's so offended by Trump on Twitter and all that. It's like, yeah, it's just Trump. Being Trump. Who's always been, and yeah. he actually has a platform. Yes. And he's yes. talking every day. And yeah. it's like, yeah. It, there's something kind of cool about it because it's not like he's this big president like JFK. He's like this dude. Yes. And yeah. he's saying stuff yes. that like your boss at work would say. But just on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Know. yeah. I know. No, seriously. Yeah. Uh, and so the presidency is not as, ooh. Yes. Yeah. It Like, I remember them talking about how uh, Twitter or the government is cataloging every tweet by the president yeah. in like the national archives or something right? because they're treating them like, like these are national right. press releases. Right. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I, I noticed that someone's going to do a PhD, several PhDs on like the tweets of Trump, <laughs> you know, like the tweets of Trump. Of I want a bound copy. Yeah. I, I want like, to make a, a dissertation. Yeah. 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 I, and like in the fall, he started drifting towards these yeah. topics. So I, I've talked, I've argued before about, just that tension because there are some people who approach things like social media or Twitter as like, we need to, we need to really workshop this tweet and make sure that it's, this really represents either the church or whatever. Right. right? Like we need to, as opposed to some people that are like, here's a picture of my fridge. Yeah. And then it I just know. goes up. Right. Yeah. It's like, here's a picture of my food and people get all like, Ooh, what are you? look, this is social media. Yeah. It makes everything kind of dumb. Yeah. And in a certain sense that, that levels the playing field and, and, Back to my point, this is now happening in the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's scary and it's devastating, and but it's just going to happen. Yeah, it's going. Like, it's like the Pope is tweeting weird stuff. Yeah, and it's just that's just going to happen. Yeah, from, you don't from treat now it, on. Yeah, you don't treat it it's as not an encyclical. It's yes, not a bull. yes, exactly. It's, yeah, it's, it's like the people that put in their Twitter bio retweets are not endorsements. Yeah, I hate that. I hate Come that because it's like you don't. If I just say something or if I just bring something up. You don't treat it yeah. as like hey, an official you, statement. Did you hear Kim Kardashian said? Yeah. And I say it. That doesn't mean I'm like endorsing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So everything's pedestrian now. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, or tweets are not p- tweets are purely my own opinion and not the opinions of Harvard you whatever. Right. right. And it's like who whoever like is walking around on Harvard and hears a professor say something and goes, "These are the opinion the extra expressed yeah. opinions of Harvard yeah, exactly. University." Yeah. So what do you think happens as as bishops and Catholics and all these so, people I mean, flood into that. So, you know, I hope there's not a bishop listening who gets mad at me, but bishops are just not that important anymore. Mm. In, I think, what do you mean, though? Like, in the they're sense... They're no longer, like, you know, jewel-encrusted, yeah. 
living in the apostolic palaces across the country, yeah, these yeah. big mansions like they used to, where people, I think, are the bishop can no longer present himself or presume that he is anything more than priest 2.0 mm. of diocese. Yeah. I think. But do you, but is there, isn't there also some authority though with that? As of course. Priest, yeah. No, I think, of course he has yeah. apostolic succession. None yeah, of yeah, us yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. Yeah. Right. So of course he, and he has an ontological character in the fullness of holy orders. Yeah. But you mean to the effect of like, uh, here is my statement as Bishop. Now that there's access to people everywhere, it's yeah, like, it's it's yeah. not that it's not that impressive. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. And we also have bishops who send out tweets of them with like their fridge or whatever, you know. Yeah. Like, well, then there's some that don't. Some that like some every don't. tweet has to be perfect. Yeah, I know, but some some do. Yeah, and it's just like oh, suddenly like a personal connection with the bishop is more important. Yeah, than the idea that he's he's an elevated hierarch and. I personally think that's going to be a good thing over the next few decades. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, if you lived in the year 104, yeah. um, you could walk over to the bishop's hut <laughs> or go yeah. to the house where he lived and be and, like, hey, I have a let's, question. Let's are go we, on a double date. Are we? <laughs> yeah, it's your wife home. Are we supposed to? <laughs> is your, are we supposed Hopefully to, that's not the question you yeah. ask. Is, is your wife home? <laughs> are we supposed to baptize our babies or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. There's like this access to it. And, you know, I, I, I follow a lot of bishops on Twitter and like I see those things happening. I think it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Am I laughing too loud? You're interrupting this important podcast. I don't know what to do. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. I know. Um, see, this is just showing that like podcasting is no big deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. We're just like sitting in the living room with kids walking around. Um, you probably have, it seems like you have to go potty, but maybe you should go watch TV. Because I know, but me and my friend are still talking. So can you please, uh, can you please go? What a good guy. I know. So compliant. Oh, you are thirsty? Okay, go get a drink. Sorry. <laughs> we're, just, we're not special. <laughs> yeah. We're not special. So you, man, what do you see? So, so it sounds. I'm trying to come back. It sounds like you were saying that that's just going to be the important thing is for bishops to be um, just real. accessible, yeah, just accessible, real. yeah, yeah, just real, yeah, yeah. The whole thing of like we've got to like we need twelve eyes to look over this tweet before it goes out, like yeah, I don't know, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is I I don't think and most- honestly, let me just say tweets need to be like. Like, don't be just like sending out stuff. Like, yeah. Maybe we should ordain women this week. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, like, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. like this needs to be as a as a bishop, as a success for the apostles, ontological character. Like, you need to represent and the dignity of your office, priests, deacons, yeah. even lay people. Yeah. Uh, and everything needs to be orthodox and on track. That being said, like everybody now has a window into your mind and into your office. Yeah. People who use and people who use Twitter understand that about it yeah i think a lot of times we we craft we craft these things for people who won't understand it for the people who come on and are like oh well i think this must mean you know this is the infallible statement of the pope and and instead i think more and more as we're getting used to the internet we're realizing no most people understand i think so that that people change over time and if this was your opinion a year ago that you're not this you might not be the same right as that opinion right do you get nervous about that 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 um because you're putting out so much stuff. I mean, it's impressive, all the stuff you're putting out. Do you ever get nervous that that um, that your opinion on certain things change? Or like, um, 
don't know. Is that something you take into what you're trying to put out? Not really. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I pray about it and I always, and have people always look it over before I yeah. put things out. Um, you know, it's funny, like this, this whole controversy over Morris Letizia over the past couple of years, like two of my books were like really hardcore, you know, like if you divorce, you cannot remarry. If you remarry, you live as brother and sister. Yeah. Catechism, of the Catholic church, Catholic church paragraph, boom, 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 you know, yeah. do, do, um, John Paul II quote, you know, yeah. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And then everybody, you hear these bishops that are going wishy-washy on, I still stand firm on that yeah. by the way, but I'm like, man, like people going to come after my book one day. Like, <laughs> I was like, dude, I was just quoting the catechism <laughs> yeah, as yeah, it yeah. was written. Yeah. John Paul II. But you know, honestly, like I'm a fighter. I'm not scared of it. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Um, I always, I mean, when I try, when I write stuff, I always try to say, here's a Bible verse. Here's yeah. A church father. Here's a papal document. And like on my blog, like if people read my blog, I often say, and at this point, this is my opinion as totally. a layman with no authority. I <laughs> totally, even say it. Totally, this is yeah. my opinion as a layman yeah. with no authority. Yeah. I think this is the best answer. Yeah. But I use that language just to like diffuse it. So it shows that really it means nothing. Well, and I think, I think most, most people don't understand the difference between the deposit of faith and everything else. Right. Like they're like, well, what? No, like Scott Hahn said this. This is right, what right. Catholics right. believe. On EWTN. Yeah, it's or, on. Or, yeah, it's or, on or, EWTN. Or, or oh my, my Jesuit teacher when I was in eighth grade told said, me, "Yes." Well, mm-hmm. that yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. Just because your Jesuit teacher said that doesn't mean it was true. Yeah, totally. That's another really good thing about social media, and the internet, mm-hmm. is you all can fact of this, check everything. Yeah, you can fact check all. It's this exposed. Stuff. It's all exposed. And, I mean, for Catholics from the time of our Lord's resurrection up until maybe twenty five, thirty years ago, your entire knowledge of Catholicism came from your local priest. Totally. Yeah, I think Vatican II have been so different. Yeah, I mean, if we had the internet. Yeah, I mean, You're like, like, wait, they didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> can you imagine like the tweet bombs? And oh my gosh, yeah, right it would have been awesome. Into, like, it would been awesome. This document just got released. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you know, you would go to your priest and you would say, "Can I contracept?" And he would say, "No." Mm. Right? Or you would say, um, "Can we get married at a Lutheran church?" No. Yeah. No. Okay, and that was it. Yeah. And most most people weren't like, "Well, I'm going to go on Google." And go to the Catholic Answers Forum and read 45 minutes of that. <laughs> and then I'm going to look up the index and the catechism yeah. of the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah, Right? Yeah. So we now live in this age where the information has become centralized. Yeah. And um, I don't really know how it's going to work out. Well, how, how do you see – what do you see uh, the future for your institute? Just keep on keeping on how it is? Or do you see it, like, changing over the years? Uh, I think we'll just keep on keeping on. Yeah. I think the models. Start going to virtual reality uh, videos. and <laughs> yeah, Like, this is, this is you. Sit with me. This is you as St. Agatha being <laughs> martyred. <laughs> That'd be cool. No, I just want, like, uh, sit at a table with Dr. Taylor as he explains no, the treasure of merit. Yeah. You're, like, sitting there and you see, like, Augustine yeah. walk in the room. And you're like. So, but you would give the lecture, but you would just look like Augustine. He could do that. Yeah. And it'd be in Latin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with, like, subtitles. <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome <laughs> costumes yeah, that'd be good it's crazy man well it's really impressive the new st thomas institute is really impressive i, I think it's really cool that you're doing that Thanks. and i do think it's the future i, I think, think it's so. future you're waiting for you're waiting for us to come to you you're waiting for the world to come to you i mean it's 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 going well 
and um, if somehow technology changes and we it goes away or we change it, so be it. But for now, I mean, we have people that are in Catholics in China who there's no Steubenville for them. Yeah, you know, there's no word on fire. You know, they, yeah. I guess there is. You know, but some of the stuff gets blocked in the filters. We have people in Africa. We have seminarians in Europe. You yeah, know, who use it. I mean people all over the world who have no access to any sort of Catholic schooling. They're on there. That's amazing. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. What do you, well, last question I have, or maybe, yeah, last question is I always wonder with some of these things, I mean, I'm glad you are doing this, but I always wonder about there are other maybe Catholic celebrities or other people who might make an Institute, but include some of their own teachings. You know, like that's, that's how do we, always going to happen? But it's, I guess like it's he, true of NSTI. I'm sure I don't. I yeah. want to say, well, mine's not like that. Yeah. Everything's 100 yeah. ministerial. It's always true, and um, we have to be discerning, and that's why we're Catholic. Yeah. You know, like let's say you went to Thomas Aquinas's school in Bologna. Hmm. Um, you would have been taught that the Immaculate Conception is not true. Hmm. Right? Yeah, we have a Catholic. You would have been taught that holy in the sacrament of holy orders, the Episcopate does not is is not an order hmm. right yeah so he teaches that um so there are things that even the great thomas aquinas inserted wrongly yeah. the, in dante's um comedy at the very end um saint bernard of clairvaux is the one who introduces him to the blessed virgin mary who then introduces him to the holy trinity and bernard of clairvaux is wearing white but he has a black spot hmm. and I hope I'm getting this right. I hope this is not I'm just making some other documents. <laughs> it's just a fever dream you yeah, had. Yeah, exactly. But it's it, it's symbolic that he also denied the Immaculate Conception. And so he has this spot in oh, heaven. Oh, wow. You know? That <laughs> he Even he, who's a great Mariologist, like one of the greatest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Had this dogma, pretty significant spot. Has has an error. And so in even in St. Augustine, yeah. you know, we find some extreme things on predestination. He even speculates that infants could experience pain in hell if they're not baptized. I mean, there's things in all the church fathers yeah. that are not correct. And there's things in the popes yeah. that are not correct. Yeah. And that's why we have the gift of the papacy and infallibility, ex cathedra, in faith and morals, in very tight circumstances. Yeah. Not on a tweet, not on an airplane, yeah. not riding in a bus, not talking to your friend. Yeah. Not a soccer game, ex cathedra, faith and morals, yeah. invoking it. Well, and thank God for the catechism because before that, before I really understood like what it meant, what that meant, yeah, man, I would be like, well, this guy says yoga. If I if my yeah. if my wife stretches a certain way, the <laughs> demons are going to come into her, yeah. you know, and like stuff like that. Like, so to be able to look at a book, right, and say, okay, well, it, at least at the very least, we can say this is. True. That this was one true. of the, like, gene, I mean, probably the greatest contribution of John Paul II mm. was to issue a catechism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, honestly, before that, if you live in Canada, your bishop was like, contraception's cool. Yeah. You live in Germany or Austria, like, we didn't receive humana vitae. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, the, the, okay. Dutch, the Dutch catechism, they still have yet to... Acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah, to change. No, they've yet to revise. They came out with, like, strong statement of, like, you need to revise these parts of it. Benedict mm-hmm. wrote a really, like, scathing criti- critique of it. Right. And uh, they still have yet to... <laughs> They're like, huh? We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to it. So, I mean, this is, yeah. this is, I mean, it's complicated. Yeah. And now it's not just, it used to be you had to go to Barnes and Noble and get the 
catechism. Yeah. Now you just Google search it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even that's getting complicated because there's a few versions of it online. Yeah. Some yeah, differences yeah. on death penalty. If you uh, have you heard of Catholic, lying. yeah, have you heard of CatholicCrossReference.com? No. It's a search bar. It's just a search for it, but I found it. I think it's really good. I think it's really accurate. You can do a lot of weird stuff with it too. Okay. So you can search like different words too. Like if you search in the catechism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you search death, it'll search every paragraph with the word death, yeah. stuff like that. And then you can click around and cross reference and stuff. You can even save your own notes That's on paragraphs. Cool. Yeah. I'm a huge, there's, there's something like nerd. that for canon law too, that I've played with, which is kind really? of cool. Okay. Yeah. Do you have the, do you have the, um, I would imagine you do. What's that huge Bible logos? Do you use that logos? Bible I used software? to a long time ago, but I don't anymore. Okay. Um, not to toot my own horn, but in you made your own New St. Thomas Institute, <laughs> and it has Vulgate and Greek. Holy cow! And, yeah. So not only do you become do you get access to all the videos, but you get your own yeah. database like that. Church Fathers, everything. That's crazy. Yeah, we're like basically. I know. You don't have to buy books or anything. We're just going to give you everything. Like dang, digital. Do you have to get digital. like cop? Do you have to own the copyrights for stuff, or you get some type it's of all, use it's permission? All, it's all all that old stuff is. Open source. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's and pretty the cool. Summa, Thomas is Summa. It's on there. Dang. That's Searchable. pretty cool. Cross-linked. Yeah. So that's what I use. Man. Because, I mean, when I'm in there, I'm answering questions, so I'm just using what we have in there. Yeah. So. That's awesome, man. I actually, we actually talked to Logos about doing, like, a partnership, but it was going to be too expensive for, like, <laughs> thousands of people. I was like, eh, never mind. We'll just build our own. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's awesome, man. Yep. Well, what's, so what, yeah, what is the future with the. What's new or what's new for you? What's coming up? What's new for so you? New St. Thomas Institute's big, but like I just finished my trilogy on. That's right, Sword and Saint, Serpent. Yeah, uh, on Saint yeah. George. So I have to bring up my friend Keith again because he was. Uh, he was like, "Hey, man, I'm missing." The, I think you just recent. I think he just recently got in contact with you. Okay, but he was so frustrated because he reached the climax of the story. And then his book was missing five pages. Oh yeah, he contacted That's me. That's my yeah. friend Keith. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he got a bad print off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, "It's the." He's like, "Any other pages in this book, <laughs> right. I would have been fine to skip, yeah. but these five pages are so." And he was so yeah. confused by it. It was yeah. so funny. I think Amazon's so going to send him another copy. Yeah, that's great. That's so funny. That's cool. So the third one comes out when? It came out. Came oh, out before Christmas. Oh, okay. So it's done. Really that's good. the third one that came it's the out. Third one. Wow. So I've been really busy the last four years on that. Dang, man. That's impressive. Yeah, it's longer than Lord of the Rings. When's the movie coming out? Hopefully next year. <laughs> Starring you we're, as the we're lead. We're in talk with Mel Gibson right now. Oh, okay. No, just kidding. <laughs> I wish. So you're going to write more nonfiction? Is that the end of the trilogy? Yeah, so it's it it begins with St. George, the first book. Yeah. And uh, kind of his beginning, and he befriends um, a character who's St. Christopher, and he eventually kind of climaxes with the dragon, which is, I won't give it away, but it's different. Yeah. And the rest of the trilogy is is his friendship with Constantine, younger pagan Constantine, and his influence on Constantine and his mother Helena, who's a Christian, who's yeah. a Catholic, um, and kind of and culminating with George's martyrdom at the end of the third book. Mm. Have you always wanted to write nonfiction? Yeah, really. I actually, or I, sorry, not nonfiction. I wrote, fiction. You know, we going back to that first year of being a Catholic. That was really hard. Mm-hmm. After the kids would go to bed, I would pour a glass of Grand Marnier every night and write that book. Really? The George book. That was in 2006 and seven. Dang. So this has been a long year coming. Yeah. Or a long time coming. So it's been over 10 years. Wow. For the first book. Yeah. I mean, I finished the book that year, but it's just constantly been fermenting and growing. And So so, so there, sorry, you said there were, there are other books you'd want to write? I think so. I, I've thought about doing a second trilogy that follows Constantine. Yeah. After the death of George. 
Um, we know from history that Constantine did dedicate a church to St. George. Hmm. It's one of our first references to St. George, actually. So that's wow. kind of how I got that hooked into that tradition. Yeah. Um, but there's a few other historical fiction things um, that I like to write about. I started a novel um, that's a futuristic sci-fi novel in the mm-hmm. future mm-hmm. in which um, many planets are inhabited by humans. And it's kind of gone back to a feudal imperial model mm-hmm. um, with like Holy Roman emperors and the Pope and like the, with the Pope having jurisdiction over all these galaxies and stuff. <laughs> that sounds rad. It's pretty fun. <laughs> and I'd like to finish that one. Yeah. Everyone speaks Latin and Russian. Like in the future, that's it. Latin and Russian. Yeah, that's it. Why Russian? Cause Russian Russia eventually takes over the whole planet. Yeah. And then colonizes the rest of the galaxy. I could see that. Yeah. So Russia is <laughs> like the lingua franca, but everyone does all the commerce and diplomacy in Latin. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're nuts, man. I know. <laughs> you're not. So this so, is what you still do when when the kids go to bed. You just work on this stuff. Yeah. 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 And now I have time during the day. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yep. All right. Well, uh, give people where they can go for all this stuff. New St. Thomas. So if you go to my website taylormarshall.com, you okay. can read blog posts, but you can also download a free book. That's Ooh. Thomas Aquinas in fifty pages. Oh, nice. An intro to Thomas Aquinas. Base, basic concepts of his philosophy and theology with yeah. a, a glossary in the back of all of the terminology. When you write all these books, you're self-publishing them. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, several years ago, I started a publishing company. Yeah. So I do it all through that. And who do you have to do like editing and stuff like that? Is it you? Hire editors. Okay. Yeah. What, like where do you, f- just anywhere? Do you have specific ones that you? I have f- a few. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And typesetters and graphic artists. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't do it myself. Okay. Um, I need an editor. I know a lot. Okay. Actually, if you want to get a really cheap one, you're not like super Fiverr.com Fiverr. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've used them for some stuff yeah. just for at least like a first. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't publish a book on them, but like yeah. if you want to get a manuscript tight yeah. to present or to show to yeah. agents, I would just use Fiverr to clean it up. Okay. And that way it's only like a few hundred bucks to get it done. Yeah. Um, so taylormarshall.com taylormarshall.com get, Thomas Aquinas, 50 pages. And if you want to take classes, um, go check out newstthomas.com. That's the Institute. Sweet. I'll put it on the show notes. Yep. And you can also get my podcast. If you like podcasts. Oh yeah. Uh, on iTunes, Dr. Taylor Marshall Catholic show. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming to my house. Yeah. And being on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Well, but we're still here. (laughs)